Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away. James Pearce is at home, having had a very busy weekend. However, with me is our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hi, Andy. Hi, Ian. No, hey, no, hey. no, sorry, I was taken aback by your intro. Busy weekend for Pearce. He works Saturday, <laughs> I work Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> oh, OK, I'll rephrase that. The LFC bitter editor, Andy Kelly. Uh, and also with me is the more cheery... Echo journalist Paul Gorst. <laughs> Hi, Paul. <laughs> See, he's laughing already. Yeah. Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, you were at Anfield, as you've just pointed out. You were very busy at the weekend. Heavily you, wrapped up. Yes, it was a bit chilly, by all accounts. You were at Anfield to watch Liverpool draw with Chelsea. Some of the reports I got from some people I know with the game said it was a very good game between two good teams. But judging by your ratings and the, certainly the reaction to the ratings, looking at it, Liverpool didn't play particularly well. Well... There were some. There were some uh, people who thought I was harsh, harsh in my, my ratings. That would be um, every person I've spoken to. Well, not only. Well, I mean, we won't go into the minutiae, but I'm happy to if you want. This, this is not. This is not to have a go at you. I'm no, just interested no, to interesting. see to see what to see what well, you thought because I didn't it, actually see the game. A, I thought it was a good game, and when I watched it back last night, um, you know, I, th- I thought it was a, a, again a pretty good game. Uh, two good teams. Klopp spoke afterwards about the attitude of both teams having played in Europe midweek, and I thought both teams had a very good attitude, particularly, to be honest, Chelsea, when you consider they'd been to Karabag in Azerbaijan. What was it, 6,000 mile trip? I know he made changes there and everything else, but. Didn't make given, many, didn't make many changes. Well, given that they went behind and they're on an away patch and they had less a day less to recover, you've got to give them credit for that. Um, Liverpool, um, Chelsea. Klopp spoke about it afterwards again the Chelsea approach to the game was to sit back if you looked at the three I mean the approach was on the team sheet wasn't it the three players he chose for his centre midfielders were all defensive weren't they yeah. Bakayoko who's obviously not really appearing to be very good at this point but you know he obviously you know played well at Monaco last season so you know he may develop into a player Kante and then probably a surprise Danny Drinkwater mm. and uh, strangely it was Danny Drinkwater who gave you know, he was the one go, going forward, and you know he made three runs in the first half, which all caused Liverpool problems. And uh, to bring in the rating situation, Clavan was at fault for two of them for me, and that's that was one of the reasons that I marked him down at four. Much of the rest of his game was fine, trotting around the back with the ball, everything else. But those late runs from Drinkwater could have brought two goals for me, and that's why. Um, and being on your guard in every situation for me is what being the centre back's all about. But um, so it was strange because Liverpool had all the ball for the first fifteen minutes. Then Chelsea had a spell where they had those chances with drink water, and it was a pretty level game. Second half, obviously, we should mention Hazard. My word, what first half he had! It was, it was. You know, he, he always was, has a good game at Anfield. Loves he Anfield, always has a good game. Yeah. I think he scored three out of five run up to Saturday. He didn't obviously get his goal, but. He was he was at the heart of everything they did. Klopp just said, "Wow!" After you know, and without um, wishing to, to go the whole game, then obviously Liverpool got a bit of fortune on the goal. But from you know Salah, who had been Liverpool's biggest threat all game, getting himself into those positions, got a little bit of luck with the touch, and uh, and finishes it easy. And then there was the disappointment because from there Chelsea took over the game, and that was the. I think that's the bit where the other controversy, if there was controversy among some people in my ratings, was they felt I'd been too generous to Henderson on six because they felt he was sort of responsible for 
Liverpool losing control of the game. I have to say, I watched it back, and it's very difficult to put it on Jordan. You know, well, we'll come to that. Yeah, we'll come to that but, in a bit. Uh, um, yeah, and then obviously a slightly unlucky goal to concede. So overall, I think you have to say a draw was a fair result. Chelsea would have been unlucky not to leave with something. You don't want to be fair to them, but you've got to be. They, they, they're a good team. Well, the champions. I mean, Paul, exactly, you, yeah. Paul, you saw a fair amount of the game. I mean, what was your take? Did you think it was two points dropped for Liverpool or one point gained? I mean, because they're playing against one of the. We have to assume City are going to run away with the league. This is one of their rivals for one of those top four places, and and they've not lost. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because when Liverpool are leading at Anfield and they, they don't come away with the three points, you'd normally just you know attribute that to being two drop. But Chelsea came to Anfield and. They show no fear as they they shouldn't as champions and as always Eden Hazard was was you know superb as pretty much everyone has already said. He's moved into a central area the last few weeks under Conte and it's really paying off for them at the moment. So he was just on a on a different level to everyone else on the pitch. Um, but I mean the, the goal was was unlucky, wasn't it? I've seen a few people have a little moan about Mignolet and a couple of other a little nibble of clap, but. It was just an, an unlucky goal. It, it was a cross, and it, it, it evaded everyone and nestled into the, the back of the net. And uh, I thought, thought it was unlucky. I thought Liverpool played well. Um, and on another day, they, they might they might have won it, but just unfortunate for, for the goal, particularly. Oh, oh, I know what you're going to say about the goal now. Go oh, on. Well, no, no, no. Two things on the goal. One, I'm not sure he can't take one more step with his. Foot. You know, I think he dies one step too early. Maybe slightly quicker feet. He could have. Had, Possibly a chance. I'm not. I couldn't say. You couldn't say it was definitely a mistake, could you? So it's a bit unlucky. I mean, Williams going away from goal, isn't he? He's going towards the corner flag, and then he just clips it back. Yeah. And it's it's eluded everyone. And, and I'm pretty sure. It. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if Mignolet was stood on his line and that was actual cross, and then it came in, people would have a go at Mignolet for not. Yeah, you can do. So I'm not having a massive no. go at him, but that that was what went through. Could he have taken another step? But the other thing I'd say about the goal is it was coming. You really felt it in the ground for, and it was funny when I watched it on the telly back. You didn't quite feel that as much, and I wonder whether that has sort of maybe had changed people's perspectives on it uh, a little bit. Because um, in the ground, it was it virtually felt like it was a certainty they were going to score um, for 15 minutes before they scored. Um, Alonso, I think it was, had a volley at the back post yeah. from across from Zappa Costa. Yeah. I think yeah. um, should have finished it, and there was there was a bit of last ditch defending. There was, um, I think it might have been Alonso again got the wrong side of Joe Gomez, and Joe Gomez just got a leg in on him. Now you mentioned then that Zappa Costa crossed it for Alonso, yeah. and they were the two the two wing backs, mm-hmm. and they were the two players who made the big difference, weren't they? Because that's what Klopp wanted to change when he was attempting to make this. Now infamous substitution of, of bringing on Lallana and switching to a, to a back five. I mean, I spoke to John Aldridge for his column and he says that's exactly what Liverpool needed to do, but they needed to do it 10 minutes earlier when it should have seen what the problem was going to be. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Uh, I'm not sure it wasn't a little bit of distraction from Klopp in terms of, yeah, I'm sure he did want to make the change. But well, even if he didn't, then, then surely that underlie, that kind of suggests that he didn't see what the change was that needed to be made. I mean, people people do criticise Klopp's in-game management in terms of making substitutions too late. Um, obviously, Mane looked upset on the pitch afterwards. Klopp said that was about them having a discussion about where he was on the pitch, and you could see in the in the motions they were making with their hands, it, it could well have been. But there was probably a bit of frustration from Mane that he'd only been given three minutes or something when he came on. Um, I'm not convinced that you know having Adam Lallana on the pitch and whatever 
change mm. he was going to make. I mean, Klopp's view was that oh, Raggy would have been in that position if, if uh, in terms of Clavan. Well, Clavan was the one who went to defend Willian, and he and he he still sort of runs semi past him. They're sort of neck and neck really, and then he turns it back in. And it's a... Are you trying to justify your four out of ten here? No, I'm not trying to justify it. I mean, <laughs> the one that I give Matip five, and actually when I watched it back, I might have been slightly harsh on him. Uh, he might have been worth a six, but Cla- Clavan for me was still a you know four because there's the third drink water chance in particular where Clavan um, is totally out of position and he, he goes in the gap between Moreno and Clavan and it's just so poor. And uh, the other one, if you remember that moment, I think it's when um, Hazard drops the shoulder on Henderson and, and zips past him and beats Milner as well. And Clavan decides to step out towards him. And actually, Henderson and Milner are in sort of hot pursuit and are catching up with Hazard. So he decides what to do with it. I probably can make that challenge, but um, Clavan steps out and Drinkwater just goes into the space behind him and, and that gives Hazard the pass through. Again, an error. It doesn't lead to a goal. In those circumstances, people sometimes um, don't don't see it or don't don't miss it. I mean, it was picked up by Gary Gillespie on the, the, the LFC TV commentary um, that I watched last night. And, you know, those are things that, on another day, it costs you two goals. So for me, just because Drinkwater doesn't score, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to be flattering the centre half for making two bad errors for me. So there we are. Look, people have different opinions on ratings and I'm absolutely happy to debate with loads of people on social media and that's fine. <laughs> So, is that an uh, invite? Uh, well, I've, I've already done most of it. So, uh, but, you know, everyone else is entitled to uh, to their opinion. And, for instance, Robbie Fowler thought Liverpool were good defensively in his Sunday murder column. You know, he's a legend of the game. So, um, But he's but, wrong, But says Andrew Kelly. I would say he's wrong. <laughs> I mean, Paul, what did you make of the, the whole thing about club substitutions then? Andy's mentioned it there. I mean, do you think as though perhaps more could be done? in terms of the manager making substitutions because he's got a big enough squad now which we'll find out in a few weeks when he starts rotating the players which he did do uh, did do on Saturday. Yeah, most definitely. I think that is the, the, one of the main bugbears of supporters, isn't it? That he, he leaves it too late and you know he brings his players on when they haven't got the, the, the time to, to you know influence the game as, as they can and, and they're able to. I think giving Mane two minutes, you know, he, he could have easily given him 20, maybe 15 at least. And obviously Lallana hasn't played all season, so he would have liked to have given him, you know, five to ten, and he's just come on the last few games, the last few seconds, and she she would could do essentially. But uh, particularly with Mane, you know, being the, the player he is, and as good as he is, and as important as he is to the Bills' attack, I thought he he could have been given a, a little bit longer than than he was, and uh, you know he, he might have been able to to affect it in a different way. But um, I, I can see why fans are unhappy about the. The lack of changes and the timing of them, because um, it's you know, it it isn't great. It is one of Klopp's weaknesses, I think. I mean, Klopp's renowned for being safe to say he's kind of a brave coach. He'll he'll make decisions that you'll think that's quite quite brave. Certainly, the way that he wants his teams to play football by going forward. But, Drop, dropping my name for me, no, it was brave. Well, exactly, it? yeah. I mean, but when the actual game starts, do you feel as though he's perhaps not quite for whatever reason he just doesn't seem to want to change because you, you know in his head he'd have been going oh we've got one nil now we'll just keep it like this we we'll keep it another five minutes we can keep it a little bit longer we might not get away with this but this might just be enough I don't want to change it around because it seems though what the team that he sets out is so well prepared in his mind that he doesn't really want to alter it unless he really really has to 
Yeah, that's, I suppose that's one way of thinking of it, yeah. Um, I, I wonder if it goes back to his playing days in terms of... Um, and this isn't... You, know, you don't have to have been a really top, top level... I mean, we've seen that in dozens and dozens of top coaches. You don't have to play Mourinho, a top game to, to be a top player, do you? But he obviously never played beyond Mainz at second division of Bundesliga, did he? I don't think he actually played, because he was the manager when he got them into the Bundesliga, wasn't he? So so he's played second division Bundesliga, and I wonder whether there's any element where someone who's played at the very top of the game can see better the way a game is going and might well, want to change it. He's been it. manager for, for yeah, 14 odd years now. You know, I'm, 16 it's only years. a theory. I'm not massively attached to it yet. But it's, <laughs> it's, is it always because you've just made it up? No, because I was thinking about it the other day. I was trying to work out is there a reason why Klopp, who's a manager, an elite manager, right at the very top of the game, that there's still quite a number of people um, feel that his in-game management isn't quite on a level with his perhaps, you know, his preparation, his yeah. ability to spot a player, and his ability to man manage, which are both, I think, outstanding. Um, and we all have strengths and weaknesses, don't we? You know, and whether that is one of his possible weaknesses. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's no arguments then. He didn't get Lalana on the pitch. Was Lalana the right man to be coming on? Uh, you know, no one's really mentioned that. But ideally, you'd want him coming on in a game with Liverpool three up, and he's just getting minutes under his belt. Exactly. He I mean, played all season, has he? There's that element of it, and then you're thinking, who did we have on the bench? Trent was there. Um, Firmino. Firmino was there. Mane got on. Mane. Just trying to think. Do we have any anyone more defensive? Um, Robertson was he on the bench. Robertson was on the yeah. bench. Now again, he hasn't played a lot of football, but you know, if you were looking to shore things up, you know, Robertson plays. You know, obviously left back or has played left centre back in a three for Scotland. So if you're thinking of going, his vibe was that he was thinking of going three at the back, wasn't he, or five at the back essentially. Mm-hmm. I would have thought, we'll just do that with Robertson. Do you know what I mean? Or potentially, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? I'm just not convinced. Presumably he wanted Lalana to come round in and just work really hard for seven or eight minutes or whatever he wanted to. But I think it was about 82 when he started, tried to get him on and eventually came on about 86, was it, after the goal or something? So um, obviously there was, Joyce wrote a piece, didn't he, in the Times, suggesting there was a bit of a row on the Liverpool uh, between Akterberg and, uh, and I can never pronounce it, Zelko Buvac on the bench. So... With with Buvac apparently unhappy with how long Akterberg was taken for that, so you know, that's an interesting little sideshow. But f- for me, it was it was a good game, and the big question is what happened to Liverpool in those last twenty minutes in terms of why they weren't able to not necessarily see the game out, but why they lost control of the game. Well, I don't think it's so much that game in itself because drawing at home to the champions and, and a team that is found a bit of form we've got to put that into perspective as well Chelsea have started to look pretty good mm. and they've just played Liverpool just played Sevilla and that game in isolation okay 3 all draw 3 nil up not great in that respect but they still drew within seconds of getting the first team to win at Sevilla in was yeah. it a year 20, 26 games it would have been but it's the fact that it keeps on happening now now we've mentioned a lot of occasions in here about Liverpool having control but it's now moved on to how they can actually get control of these games and that, the best way of getting control of a game is to score first that's the best way of well, doing it that's, that's, the be- that's the best way of doing it so Liverpool have to control it's then what you do from there and I think 
I've written something today, which is something that other people have mentioned in response to Andy. It was your piece. Uh, you spoke to Jurgen Klopp after the game, yeah. where he did his, his stuff for the for the Mondays, and he, he was asked, was he about the whole time wasting thing? Yeah, he was. He was asked about being streetwise, mm. and well, he was asked he first of all, dark arts, wasn't it? Uh, so, so, the, so, two elements to it. Does the club have a, does does his team have a psychological problem in terms mm. of hanging on to leads and that obviously references the the control element and everything like that and he was he was quite, absolutely certain he felt that you know he knows the lads better than any of us and he doesn't think there's any psychological problem. I don't with that. think I don't think they do. I think the fans might have. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got and then you've got the other element of do Liverpool need to do the dark arts, the dirty bit of the game, the wasting time, the um, roll around. You know, Chelsea got up a real momentum in those last 15, 20 minutes. Shouldn't Liverpool have been trying to take the steam out of the game? Just you know, the odd little fake injury here. Um, the it doesn't, it doesn't length... even have to be that, does it? No. I mean, it's just taking your time. But doing you, you very things. rarely see Liverpool heading for the corners and keeping it in the corners. Normally, Liverpool are going hell for leather and they're trying to score another and one. Which is obviously the way that the manager wants them to play, and it's yeah. so I mean, ingrained in them now. But... I would say you wouldn't have been wanting to be going to the corners. At... 85 minutes yeah. even no, you, know, that's you don't mind just kind of job, taking but... the ball and just keeping all it for a little bit and if a player comes near you you know the old Deep Mahaman trick of getting the ball near you the touchline and then just falling over and getting a free kick which you used to do all the time and it was, so many times it was yeah, vital yeah. wasn't it it was absolutely yeah. what you needed and I I think there's definitely a bit of the team needing to be a bit but you know is this he, to do with the fact that they're quite young I know there was Milner was playing and, and Clavan. I think but, it comes but, from what Klopp wants to see from his team. He was absolutely fundamental about it. He said, "I would rather give up the game. I'd rather think, pack it in." But I think he was—that was more to do with rolling around, feigning, yeah, he feigning an injury. He said stuff you can like be that. more. You can definitely be more Spots clever. Up. Yeah. But if it comes to the bit where his players aren't playing in a sportsmanlike and fair way, and so where do you draw the line on that? It's very idealistic. That's, yeah, that's very idealistic. And, but he's an idealistic coach. He plays in an idealistic way. He doesn't want to win in a sort of you know, if, if if he's ever to win a title with Liverpool, it's probably going to be one of the best titles <laughs> ever won, isn't it? Because it's going to be won in such a, um, a sort of... Way, exactly. Yeah. That, well, well look, look at the example then of two games that were played yesterday, uh, Arsenal to Man City. Man City, they they came from 1-0 down to, to, to you know, lead in 2-1. And, you know, if this is City, you're meant to be this... They are very, very good going forward. Towards the end, they were taken to the corners and they were like killing time because they know that they got the job done then. It was just a matter of seeing it out. Arsenal's was a bit different because they just got the penalty at the end. But these are teams, they scoring late winners to win games, whereas Liverpool are conceding late goals to not win games. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I might have a look at the stats on this later in the week, but um, it's interesting. I sort of feel that Liverpool have been much better in first halves than second halves this season. Don't have any evidence to back that up other than that. I had a chat with the LFC statistician Jed Ray maybe a month ago, and he was suggesting that Liverpool had scored very few goals after. Well, that was at the start of the season, wasn't it? I think then they played Leicester away and scored. A, yeah, scored I'm not saying they haven't goal. scored some late goals yeah. now. Obviously, they have, but um, I mean, especially in games that didn't matter. I mean, we obviously scored, two, you know, several late, a couple of late ones in Maribor, didn't mm. we? Trent scored late, and was it Oxley Chamberlain scored late as well? well I mean, yeah, um, it was three so, goals in the second half. But though, it means, yeah. I sort of feel. There was an element of did they look a little bit leggy at the, for the you know, last fifteen or twenty on Saturday? And it's kind of the intensity though, isn't it? That they start games with Klopp always likes them to come off fire and you know safe from the off. And 
you do that in every game. Sooner or later, you start feeling a, a bit fatigued and a bit lethargic, and maybe, maybe that's got something to do with it. It's interesting because you can have control of a game. Liverpool had, virtually had all the ball for 15, 17 minutes in the, in, in, on Saturday. But you wouldn't say Chelsea weren't in control of the game because they were playing exactly as, as they wanted to play. They were, as and managers like to say, comfortable. They were, com- they were comfortable. I mean, you can't really remember very many chances that Liverpool created in that period. You shot um, Eventually we got to the stage where obviously there was the um, Salah Curler, who was almost like a repeat show of Southampton but, but lower. And, uh, and there was maybe... Um, I mean that that might well have been. There wasn't really many other chances. Do you know what I mean? We didn't work the keeper for for sure. Um, so while Liverpool had loads of the ball, Chelsea had plenty of control. And then so Hazard started doing his stuff for like this sort of ten fifteen minute period where he was threatening. And then they did have chances. You know they had the drink water chances, um, and Zappa Costa had a decent shot mm. that Mignolet saved. And Hazard, I thought that was a good save from Mignolet because it sort of went between. Clavan and uh, Joe Gomez, the shot, I think, and uh, well done to Mignolet for getting that out. So it was an interest, really interesting game tactically. Um, but I do think the biggest question mark that comes out of it is, I think you, you were referencing this early in the office here, in that if Chelsea take the lead on 65 minutes, as Liverpool did, they go on and win the game, don't mm. they? And, 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 and see it out. And especially... If you can imagine Liverpool being Stamford Bridge and being in that similar scenario, and it's you know a fairly tight game, and then they go one up sixty five minutes, you know you're not massively think you're thinking that's a body blow, especially for a team that's had one day's less rest and travel six thousand miles in the week. You're thinking it's going to be tough for the lads to come back from this. And the thing was, he had people on the bench to freshen up, didn't he? Mm. And I think that's maybe why people were a bit concerned about clubs. Substitutes a lack of it in the sense that well, he, Klopp actually had because we had this, real quality. This, on that this bench. happened in I think in January when again one all Liverpool and Chelsea. I mentioned this to you, Paul. Is that Chelsea when it went to I think it was one all after Wijnaldum scored the header. They brought on Fabregas and Pedro, and then they were the two best players on the pitch. And they obviously they nearly they nearly won the game. They got the penalty, and I think Pedro had a shot later on or something like that. There was chances basically for them. Liverpool on Saturday did have the bench, but. Didn't want to use them. Well, again, that comes down to Klopp, doesn't it? He's the one who can bring the players on if he needs them. Um, he obviously felt that they weren't um, they weren't needed at, at the time, and that's a familiar criticism, isn't it? Um, he doesn't seem to, to want to change it to to try and affect it early in the game, maybe like 65, 70 minutes. He does tend to leave it as late as he can, um, but you know that that that's kind of. Should be that you know, each game has got its own circumstances. So you know, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. Generally, it should obviously, you know, how he feels the game is going. But uh, maybe on Saturday he, he maybe could have brought Mane on a little bit earlier. Um, but as I say, it is a familiar criticism of Klopp. I mean, I know Manchester City, as you mentioned, are quite far way away at the top of the table. But are Chelsea as the champions a benchmark for Liverpool in the sense that? Again, I was speaking to some people who went to the game and somebody was talking about, oh, they made an awful lot of blocks. Chelsea were a little bit lucky. But somebody else was saying, but that wasn't lucky. That was These players are so well-drilled and so well-organised, they were always in the right positions yeah. to make the blocks, which is a little bit from Conte's, you know, the Italian defending, make sure everything's all right in that sense, which is part of the reason why you know, Chelsea won the league last well, season. Of course, yeah. It's because they've got this... 
they know where everybody needs to be. And sometimes with Liverpool, certainly defensively, the criticism is sometimes, as Andy was mentioning about Clavan before, that they quite often they don't seem to work as a unit all knowing exactly where everybody's going to be at one particular point in time. Yeah, but Chelsea play the, the three at the back, don't they? And they were one of the first teams to, to start doing it when, when Conte came in. So I think they've got their system down to a T. And it, it obviously works because they won the title last season. Um, and I, they've also got better defenders than the pool, haven't they? Like Aspilicueta, who I thought was excellent Saturday. Brilliant. And I mean, he was one of your favourites, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the, the block he did on Sturridge, Sturridge absolutely. Yeah. When I watched well, the that replay may, that last That may night. be the one saying it's lucky and the argument was, but it's not lucky because he was there it's, exactly it's, the right place. Absolutely yeah. there. I mean, I mean, and Sturridge absolutely connects. Per- that ball sort of just bubbles up a little bit as he hits it and he connects perfect with it. And if he doesn't get the block, I think Courtois is in trouble with the shocks. I think Sturridge is... Um, it was interesting Sturridge because I thought his movement was, was, wasn't was that great, but... Or in terms of how much of it there was, but what he did, he was quite sharp, and he just thought if he did get a chance, I would have. But you know that was really his only one sight of goal. Um, so, but he, you know he was pretty tidy in most things he did. Uh, Daniel Sturridge, but yeah, Aspel Equator was was superb, and I think they found one in this Christiansen lad. He's twenty one, Dorley in Denmark international, mm. I think, and he played. Interestingly, he played the centre of the three. Uh, now that might be because you can stick Cahill and Aspel Equator either side of him, and he, you know, you're almost protected in the centre, if you know what I mean. Um, but you know, Cahill had trouble with Salah, didn't he? You know, he was trying to get really tight to him, and uh, Mo was showing his strength, holding him off and turning him, and um, that was, you know, that was a good battle within a battle. But I thought it was two good teams, and you know, I did want to. Have a chat about Jordan Henderson. Well, I was gonna, I'm just going to bring him up now because you mentioned him before, and we said we'd go back to him. Jordan Henderson. He's obviously had a fair bit of criticism in in recent games. I mean, but you've been looking a bit closer at him and his stats because you watched the game and you watched it back. Yeah. And you were determined to go. Hang on. Well, go. On. Because I, I was in this. I was in the ground and I gave Jordan Henderson six. And to be honest with you, I watched it back and he was. You know, if I, if anything, I might have given him one more. And there'll be some people shouting at the at the phone now, but. Chatting the, at their phone. They're listening device. If they're not list, uh, you know, their iPad or whatever, because um, the, the, these stats came out after and watched the game and thought Jordan Henderson won the ball back several times. There, I did think he dropped away in that last 15, 20 minutes. There's a couple of times he could have made tackles and didn't. One of them was that time when the tangle of legs ended up with Milner and Hazard, and. Henderson didn't make the tackle, but you can see in the replay the reason he doesn't make it is he's slightly worried he'll give away a free kick in a really uh, bad area. But uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to cheerlead for Jordan Henderson. But these stats have come out and um, say he didn't make a tackle, he didn't make an interception, didn't make an air, win an aerial duel. And I thought, so well, that's not the game I watched. You know, now I haven't checked this, but I'm, people on social media have told me they're definitely up to stats. So. If they are up to stats, and I say I haven't checked it, then their version of a tackle and an interception and an aerial challenge are very different from mine. Because I sat with my pad and went through the game. This is how sad I am. Last night, for two hours, from midnight till 2am, and went and watched it. And so here's the... Jordan Henderson made tackle... So I'll go right to him. Tackle on Kante. Another tackle on Kante, which he lost, so maybe that wouldn't count. Another tackle on Christensen, and a tackle on... A name that I can't read, but it's 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 written down as Zappa Costa. Sorry, so that was so. There's three to four tackles, interception. Now the one they showed on match of the day that the whole world should have seen, where he got the ball off uh, back of Yoko. Yeah. So there was one interception, another interception from Z- uh, Zappa Costa, another one from Alonso, an interception with a header, another one from Christensen, 
uh, headed interception from Kante, and then it was half interception, half a ball recovery from uh, on Zappa Costa, and also picking up a loose ball in it against Morata. Uh, and he did two fouls, one on Hazard, one on Kante, and two blocks uh, where he sort of they were trying to play a pass and he's blocked and it's gone out for throws, one against Alonso and one against Zappa Costa that went for a corner. So that that's very boring stats. But if people are going to use stats to massively jump down the throat of the Liverpool captain, um, I think they have to be the correct stats. Now, I'm not saying that um, opt to do anything wrong, but their definition of how these things are is not necessarily what a normal football fan would say, that's a tackle and that, that's an inception and that's an aerial duel or whatever. What I just encourage everyone, watch the game back and, and count, count them for yourself. Um, what I would say is, this definition of Henderson playing the six in the defensive middle, because I was watching his game really carefully, because I wanted to check this, where he actually plays on the pitch is often far further forward when you think the DM. He doesn't sit in front of our back four. Wasn't Milner meant to be doing that, though? Well, they were sort of interchanging a bit, so uh, perhaps it's, you know, if Jordan wanders off. You, you saw him bombing on to try and get uh, when Salah was breaking. Mm. He went. He was the one trying to get in the middle. Yeah, but that, that's kind of his game, though, isn't it? He's full of energy, and, he, he, you know, we get about the pitch. Um, so whether DM is his best position is a... That's a or I, I remember we were having this very conversation ten years ago about a certain Stephen Gerrard and whether he he was obviously full of energy this that and the other did he have the discipline just to stay in front of the the back four and, and you could argue he never really did the so much so that they invented a new position for him the quarterback position when it, the last couple of yeah. years under Rodgers but then he obviously you know, many people think his best season was on the right wasn't it where he got you know twenty two exactly yeah. you know, where, goal, where he was playing attacking midfield yeah, behind, behind Torres behind Torres so, so Stephen Gerrard and Jordan Anderson well no we said on Friday you, yeah you can't compare the two stiff because he's not Stephen yeah. Gerrard and that's what Klopp said wasn't it Klopp yeah. said that this week he said you know what's I think it was in James's stuff on Friday night before the game. Well, my point, my point was making was that yeah. there are players who are better than Jordan Henderson who have you know, midfield players who've struggled with the discipline side of playing, and so it's not down to him. There are other players who can play there, or do Liverpool have players that can play there, or does the manager actually want anyone to play there? This goes, goes back to, to Jurgen Klopp and this whole question of control. Does he really want that? Well, I, I think he does because he, you know the way he sets up, you do need. Um, Protection there. He often talks about ensuring the protection. I know his, he's looking not necessarily just at the defensive midfielder there, but the other's right from the top end of the pitch. But um, he needs protection there. But if you look at who we've got, so Henderson, who I think most of us think his best talent is his athleticism going box to box. Mm. But the manager's asked him to turn him into a six this season. And, it, and he, you know, he's been doing it quite well. Uh, but he has started to become a target for some, some criticism. Because people, I think with the armband, you're the one who's seen as the leader. And when things go wrong and, and it looks like there's a... It's, it could be something in terms of character and, and that sort of thing. When you're giving away leads, you're seen as a bit soft, aren't you? And so therefore, the focus comes on the captain. Um, but I think if you watch the game... It's very difficult to say Jordan Henderson didn't have it. I mean, he was the pivot most of the time when Liverpool had all that ball early in the game. Uh, I'm not saying he had a tremendous game. You know, about 10 seconds before the goal, the, the, somebody heads it away, I think it's Gomez, and it comes to him on the volley and he sort of mishits it and it goes to a Chelsea player and that eventually leads to the goal. So obviously that's not ideal. 
And he gets a little bit, and I thought he did this in Seville, he gets a little bit when they're under pressure, sort of launched it a couple of times in Sevilla where I thought they, they, there was a little bit of panic there. And I think it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? Because now the next, say Liverpool are 3-0 up in a game again and someone gets a goal back, it's going to be very, they're going to have, it's a real test of courage for well, them to get the ball you know, down and try and what, keep playing. They know what, that's what they've got to teams do. Teams have this all the time, haven't they? When something like this happens, it's always the next test. And we were talking about how Liverpool would respond to the Sevilla game. I mean, in that sense, overall, Paul, how do you think that they did respond to what happened against Sevilla? Against Chelsea? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, playing the champions is always going to be difficult because they've, they're the team that's won the Premier League in the last season. So a point to the team who won the title can never really be sniffed out, I don't think. Um, I, th- I thought it was a decent performance. It wasn't like the performances of last season when they were playing the teams who were in and around them. And they were kind of blowing them away, weren't they? Um, but you know, I, I don't think it, it can be considered a bad result, really. Um, it's just just a manner in the way it's happened. If it's the other way around, and Liverpool would have scored, you know, eighty-eight minute equaliser. Um, I think a lot of people's mindsets would, would be a lot different. I suppose it's whether it's a good point or not depends on if they go and win. Um, Stoke well, it's and Brian, isn't it? This is, this is exactly what Yeah, it's. The only thing I'd say is they've now played all the top, the other top six or five games. Mm. Got the win against Arsenal, two draws, and two draws at home. home. So winning two draws at home and both away games, they've been blown away by City and Spurs. Mm. So it's one win out of five and two draws. So that's five points out of fifteen against the other uh, top five, it's top not, six. Yeah, so it's not great. No, it's not. But then performances um, against the teams who came to Anfield last season and possibly took points have improved, haven't they? You know, look at like Huddersfield and Southampton didn't score a goal against Southampton. Palace, they beat Palace. Palace yeah. Yeah. They feel like they they are better equipped to deal with those type of teams. We've almost become, you know, a bit flat track bully. We were, we are beating the bad sides, so we're gonna. But you're gonna play more bad sides than teams who are better than you if you Liverpool. So. It's just a worry is you've got, it's different obviously at the moment, but you know, if you've got the top six roughly up there at the top six yeah. now, that mini league between them could be really important. And, and, and at the, the moment, minute, we're yeah. not doing great in it, are we? Well, Liverpool play Chelsea at under 23s on Saturday in a game that's, that an awful lot of people missed. They won 4 0. The under 18s, though, they, uh, three, they won 3 1, sorry. 3 1, sorry. Oh, I, was, I was getting carried away there. Um, <laughs> The under-18s, though, played as well, didn't they? The under-18s played Friday night um, up at uh, Kirby against Sunderland. And uh, given my normal weather report, it was very cold. <laughs> <laughs> took me about an hour to feel the feet afterwards. But we did have the warming moment of a last-minute winner, which is always good. And that uh, keeps them on beating for... Uh, Stephen Gerrard's team on beating for um, the uh, season in Premier League, under-18 uh, League North. And uh, they play Tuesday night against, uh, so that's tomorrow night against Manchester City, who are top at the moment. City have played eight, 21 points. Liverpool played eight, 18 points. Uh, they have lost a game, City. Liverpool have had a couple of draws. Um, and Liverpool, I'm guessing, um, would go top with a with a win. So that'll be a really good game. City obviously are a good team and have normally had very good youth teams the last few years. So. Um, yeah, really looking forward to that one at Kirby at 7 o'clock tomorrow night if anyone's listening who uh, 
hasn't got anything on, get up there. What score did the, the under-19s beat Seville? Was that 4-0? 4-0, that, that was 4-0. 4-0. I knew there was a 4-0 somewhere <laughs> on the line. Uh, another story that broke uh, yesterday, Paul, was uh, quotes from Marco Gruwich's agent. That's correct, isn't he? Yeah, he's, his agent. Uh, basically saying that the player's going to hopefully uh, go out on loan in, in January, but to a English club or another English club uh, and not make the mistake as it was quoted as the Lazar Markovic made of, <laughs> of disappearing for 18 months abroad when really he needed to learn how to acclimatise yeah. English football I mean Gurich is somebody who you know I quite like him actually uh, I've seen him play a few times and he looks like he could be a player but he's not getting any younger I think he's 20-21 now and you look at some of the other players who've come through you know, like Trent and they're playing regularly and Gurich is just in this midfield which isn't 100% perfect. He's not getting anywhere near at the moment. So a low move is perhaps the, the right move for him. Yeah, I think it would be. But I, I kind of agree with his agents about keeping him in England. I didn't really see the point of sending Divock Origi to the Bundesliga. I thought, you know, if he was going to improve, it would be at a Premier League team. So I can kind of see where his agents coming from there. Um, it'd be nice to, to see him, you know, at maybe a, a Newcastle or, you know, someone, someone of that ilk and kind of watch him a little bit more in the Premier League and see what he's about rather than watching him at Liverpool and if he has a bit of a poor game you know that, that could affect his confidence and we all know it's, um, it, it's difficult to play for, for Liverpool's midfield so I think just to, just to get a look at him at another Premier League club would be uh, certainly beneficial to Jürgen Klopp because I think uh, at the moment Grewich is probably only likely to play in the FA Cup and depends on how long they're in that for doesn't it? I mean Andy you've seen a lot of him at under 23 level He's too good for that, isn't he? Well, I say a lot of he's, he's played. I think he's only played four games. He has played four full full games. Maybe maybe I think he got a fifth where he got an R as well. Mm. But um, he he sort of strolls around the midfield in those games, and he he has this good diagonal pass that he plays to either flank. He is when you go up and talk to him, he's massive. Uh, <laughs> Grubic, you know? he's one of those players who really surprises you how big he is. And, um, yeah, got, it doesn't matter how many times I interviewed Peter Crouch, it would always be amazing how tall he was. Well, Gruwich, you know, I always think Klopp quite, you know, I think there's a certain Germanic thing where he really loves strength and, yeah. and size. And um, I think he'd really, you know, he sees Gruwich as someone, you know, he's got all the raw sort of. Um, building blocks to be a real player for him which is what trying to put it all together because he can be a little bit I mean, he's got he's got a, a sloppy tackle in him I think we all know yeah. um, so he can you know, he gets he you gets, may wish to rephrase that he gets, he gets booked a few times doesn't he and um, he's only had one start this year obviously away at Leicester in the Carabao which was right for us that was there yeah, yeah it wasn't a, obviously a great night for the club and he's he's come off the bench a few times so I see the value in a lone move it's a question of whether Klopp thinks, well, you know, do a, who knows where I'm, what I'm, what's going to happen? Might I need him at some point? He doesn't like the loan system either, does he, Klopp? He's not a big fan no. of it, is he? I mean, he came in wondering, I'd rather keep them here. So while the agent, the way the agent was talking, um, and this was in a Serbian newspaper, and I feel I had to rely on um, translation services online. <laughs> um, but it did see, for once, it didn't come out like gobbledygook, and it see, he seemed to be suggesting that. He, there is he is highly thought of at Liverpool, and I think I think he, he you know he genuinely is, and that's why they don't want to, as Paul says, to send him abroad. Keep him in England, where he can show what he can do in this type of environment and uh, and progress him. But he, you know he's a good he, he is a good player, but he needs he needs to sort of piece things all together to to 
to get into. You know, you guys are saying it's very difficult to get a position in that Liverpool mm. midfield, isn't it? So. It is. Right, the games they keep coming, and it's a Wednesday night in Stoke <laughs> City. The yeah. old, the old, Who's the going old down thing. Stoke? It's, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think it's Christian and and James. I think I might be popping along as well, just because oh. I've got nothing, nothing, nothing better to do. Are you going for your tea again? Yeah, I'm basically going for my tea. That's we, we know. That's what it's like. Yeah, well, done, it's yeah. not that far. Well, we know if, if, if Andy was going, we, he wouldn't go to the ground for it, would you? Keel services, yeah. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we ask this, ask this question every single week, but what do you reckon the team's going to be? And a lot of the time we find it quite straightforward. But now that the rotation's in play, I mean, Paul, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think he needs to bring back in Manny and Firmino and play maybe Lallana, or is this not the game for him? No, I mean, I, he's got so many options. It's, it's not the game for Lallana, but I'd like to see him involved for a little bit longer than he was... Uh, the other night, preferably if Liverpool have got the results secured in the last 15 to 20 minutes, give Adam Lallana a go. Um, I don't want to see James Milner in, in midfield um, ever again. Well, not, not so much ever again, but not not on Wednesday. Maybe um, maybe one of them come in, um, and at most certainly be playing for me on Monday. Yeah, and I mean, when he spoke to Klopp about rotation after the after Saturday, he suggested it had been a choice between rotating Mo and. Sadio, mm. because he said Mo's played more football, but Sadio was coming back from injury, you know, because he'd had the thing. So he, that, that's why he basically chose to play Salah instead of um, Mane. So if if that's a if that was his thinking, then you have to think in and the assumption that he's given Firmino and Mane a rest, they'll both come back into the side. You would think, therefore, but does Salah play? And I, if he's chosen, if he was choosing between the two of them on Saturday. That to me suggests that if Manny's coming back in, that we could actually have a situation where Mo Salah doesn't play on on uh, Wednesday night. Play Oxley Chamberlain maybe. Could be an option up there because you've got front two there, haven't you? And then uh, you know you could throw uh, Oxley Chamberlain up, or he could you, you know he could mix it about a little bit uh, in terms of formation. But um, I wouldn't be surprised to. Joe Gomez has played the last two games. So I know what's coming. You would imagine that Trent will come back in, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. At right back. The this is the game for him, though, because Stoke will do the you know the proverbial long ball and it. it you know, while they do have certain players like Shakir, who's coming like to well, coming to a bit of form. But if you look at it, they haven't. They, they had two not great results. Let's be honest. They drew at uh, Brighton two all. When they were, I think they were ahead twice in that game. They went ahead, yeah. That yeah, was the, the TV, TV game. Yeah, TV right, game. Yeah. yeah, and they got beat two on at Crystal Palace with our, our old friend Mamadou Sakho. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in the right place at the right time. Indeed, yeah. he apparently had been terrible all game. He'd had one of those Sacco games, which we all love and remember. Uh, but yeah, Stoke, they've kind of been mixing it around. You know, Pete Crouch has come off the bench, recently scored a few goals. So there will come a point where they will go long and they will look to feed off Liverpool's apparent shortcomings. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you're likely to get, you know, you've got to prepare for a really horrible night. You know, the Britannia is a, is a bleak place at times, isn't it? And uh, definitely one of the coldest away ends I've ever been in. Um, so you prepare for the worst, but, you know, the best way of defending against those things is to keep the ball, isn't it? It's always the best way, you know. They can't, they can't put a long ball into your box if you've got the ball. So Liverpool have to dominate the ball, keep those um, opportunities to a minimum if they can. And you know, I'd be looking to 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 play, you know, a, a sort of possession game and uh, and let our um, players at the top end of the pitch get, you know, a 
chance or two and hopefully enough that will win the game. I don't think we need to be thinking about going out there to be massively great and entertaining on Wednesday night in Stoke. Um, good solid game, keep the ball and eventually hope that we can pass it through and get out that you know one or two chances that will bring us bring us the the winner. But I wouldn't be surprised if the man who's been scoring most of those goals for us isn't in the team on Wednesday. We've just got to get used to rotation, haven't we? I mean, he's, we're playing every three days. And if we keep playing him and he gets injured, we'll be the first to complain that, well, he's yeah. played too much football. Particularly his game as well. His hamstrings could go you know, any time, couldn't it? Because he, he's very reliant on, on his speed. Um, so that's an injury which, which could put him on the shelf for you know, three or four weeks. So what do we think now for the game? Final question. Do we think Liverpool are going to win, Paul? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I see Andy, see the value in Andy's comments about possession and, and so on. Whether Liverpool can put that into practice, um, I, I'll go with a, a two-one. A two-one, yeah. Andy. Same question. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't wouldn't be. I definitely think I definitely think we will score against them. I mean, they're not playing well defensively at the moment. Shawcross having a few problems, didn't he? Um, I think I think we'll score. Wouldn't surprise me if they scored. So. I'm going to go with a two or a three-one for Liverpool. Well, we've got a Stoke fan in the office, and he's he's fearing the worst. Yes, he's young, young Adam. <laughs> so I think I'll I'll bow to his superior judgment and go for a Liverpool victory. Uh, thanks for joining us. Join us later this week, where we'll look back at the trip to Stoke and ahead to the very, very, very long trip to Brighton. Are you going to Brighton? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Cheerio.